Welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Amy Mills. As winter settles in across the U.S., you may be thinking about a warm vacation. Before you book it, wouldn't it be nice to know exactly how many hours of sunshine you would get on those particular days? Having that information is more than a matter of convenience for system operators who are managing high solar penetrations. It's dollars and cents and keeping the lights on. Solar forecasting and the application of advanced solar forecasting to grid operations are crucial research areas in enabling higher levels of renewable resources and making sure system operators can keep the lights on. EPRI recently received a $1.8 million grant from the U.S. Department of Energy for research related to integration of advanced solar forecasting into system operations. My guests today are going to shed a little more light on this. We have Daniel Brooks, Director of Research and Development for Grid Operations and Planning, Aidan Tui, Program Manager for the Bulk System Renewables Integration Program, and Eric Ela, Project Lead on our Renewable Integration Operations Projects. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Well, to start, let's talk about how forecasting is done currently and how that works. Aidan, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure, Amy. So, as you said, what one of the challenges for the grid operator when they do have a large amount of solar or, or wind energy coming onto the system is understanding what's going to um, be produced by those uh, resources day ahead of time or hours ahead of time. Um, this is no different than when we've had to do load forecasting um, for, forever in the power system, trying to understand what the load's going to be in the following day. And a big piece of that is what the temperature will be and wind speed and other weather type variables. So. We forecast the weather in a similar manner to how you forecast the weather in when you when you look up the weather on your phone or, or on the TV. Um, you're trying to capture things like how weather systems move through areas. For solar power and wind power, they're completely driven by the weather, so it's a little different than load, which is really a, the underlying economic activity being modulated somewhat by the weather. With wind and solar power, you're trying to forecast what the overall um, plant output might be at a, at a particular location and so you're trying to understand what cloud movement will, will happen, what wind speed, what temperature, air pressure, various other weather variables. The country runs these large um, computer simulations to, to model the physical uh, changes to the system, changes to the weather system and be able to understand from that what the, the wind speed and cloud cover might be. Then weather forecasts or, or vendors, um, forecasting vendors will take that information um, and maybe run their own models, run physical models, run statistical models, use machine learning or artificial intelligence type techniques to better understand what the output of a particular plant is using historical performance of the plant as well as the, the physical setup of the plant. That then produces what a, what, a, what the expected power output would be from the, the wind plant or the solar plant into the future. Um, at EPRI, we don't do a whole lot of our own forecasting. That's not really a focus of our research. What we've been trying to do is understand the performance of forecasts and understand how they can be used in, in grid operations to, to better manage the, the system operations in a reliable and economic manner. So let's talk about that performance and how they're used. Uh, Daniel and Eric, maybe I'll ask you to comment on that. Once you have the forecast, how is that used in actually operating the power system? Yeah, sure. So uh, one of the key responsibilities that system operators have is to be able to balance supply and demand at all points in time, uh, which is, uh, would be easy if uh, load and generation uh, were constant and didn't move, but that's not the case. Uh, we turn the lights on when we want them on, and we uh, turn the air conditioner lower when we want it lower, uh, cooler in the house. So 
uh, load varies as demand and usage by consumers vary, and uh, some generation varies as well. Um, uh, generators uh, like wind PV uh, obviously vary with the output, but uh, even uh, conventional generation uh, doesn't always hold uh, to a specific set point. So uh, load and generation both varies, uh, and as that happens over time throughout the day, across uh, the week, uh, throughout seasons, operators have to uh, ensure that there's sufficient supply to meet that demand at all points in time. Uh, you know, one other key there is that uh, generators, most generators can't be started immediately. They have some lead time in terms of when they're needed, you have to allow them some time to be able to start and, uh, and even to ramp. It takes a little while for those generators to ramp. They don't instantly go from one uh, set point to another. And so uh, as a result, system operators have to be forward looking to know which uh, resources to have online to be able to move up and down as the demand moves up and down or as load moves up and down. So uh, in order to do this, system operators carry uh, what we call operating reserves to provide headroom on those resources that are going to move up and down to ensure that supply and demand are balanced as we go forward. Uh, and they use forecasts to do that. So uh, load forecast, the uh, forecast of what the actual consumption by the consumers are, uh, has been used by operators for uh, a long time in order to, in order to, uh, to determine what those operating reserve levels would be. Um, most, however, uh, of the operators that are responsible for balancing the system, most of those don't use forecasts in determining uh, forecasts of uh, solar or PV of, of generation in terms of uh, determining what operating reserve levels that they carry. So uh, most of them will use either uh, static reserve levels, uh, blocks uh, of constant amount of reserve that they will carry, or uh, they will use sort of back-looking um, reserve levels that may vary from hour to hour, but it's sort of based on a historical uh, perspective instead of what's actually going on on the system now or what's expected to happen in the near term. Uh, so one of the things that we've been working on for, uh, for a few years at EPRI is using that information from wind and PV and other emerging resource forecasts in addition to load forecasts to be able to do what we call dynamic reserve determination where the system operators will uh, determine not based on some set value for a period of time or based on some historical look, but based on these forecasts of what's expected to happen, what are the right amount of reserves to carry? And we've been able to show that in doing that, you can operate the system much more efficiently and reliably from a cost perspective and from a reliability perspective. And uh, Eric Eli, who's on the phone, has been leading that reserve determination work and has uh, had a lot of success with that. And uh, we, uh, we could ask him to tell us a little bit more about that if you want, Amy. Sure. Eric, what would you like to add to that? Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Thanks, uh, Amy. So, yes, we have been conducting um, research over the last few years with several utilities to essentially use these forecasts and information of, of how well the forecast had performed historically, you know, how accurate they were to improve operations even further. So what we do with this information is we essentially forecast what that operating reserve need is, just like you would forecast load, just like you would forecast uh, renewable output. Um, and the, the key input into forecasting those reserve requirements, you know, is the, the solar forecast, the wind forecast, and, and the load forecast. It gives you an idea of 
how much additional headroom, additional capacity, additional maneuverability uh, of the of your resource fleet needs to be ready in case that forecast is um, is not accurate in case that there's additional variability that you need to be able to respond um, in those short time frames. So in our work, we've we've really tried to you know implement this reserve forecasting method so that utilities can now have this dynamic reserve requirement that changes based on um, you know all the various system conditions. A perfect example, Amy, is is that you know if it's nighttime. We don't need reserve for solar power. Uh, we know that what the reserve, we, we know what the uh, production of that solar power is going to be at midnight. So there's no reason to hold extra reserve at midnight for solar power. So you can see how obviously getting into more details, more specifics, we're able to come up with these numbers that both help improve reliability as well as um, reduced um, operating costs. And I mentioned earlier the grant from the Department of Energy. Why is this an area that DOE decided to get involved in? Yeah, I can speak to that. It, it's uh, DOE and their Solar Energy Technologies Office over the past decade or so have been been funding a lot of research on on solar technologies. Um, a lot of that's resulted in decreased costs of solar power, um, improved performance, that type of thing. Um, one of the key areas, though, is how to integrate that effectively into the grid. And so they've been Looking at that, and one of the parts of that is to better understand the output and, and the forecasting capabilities we have in the system. So, 10 years ago, we, we didn't really know how to sol forecast solar PV or we didn't have, have good methods for doing that. But over the past few years, through DOE funding, utility um, engagement, there's been a lot of improvement in how we forecast solar power. Um, a lot of that is focused on what we would call point forecast. So, it's saying if we're sitting at noon today and trying to understand what the solar output will be at noon tomorrow so we can make decisions and operations, um, we, we'd have a specific forecast to say that from a given 100 megawatt plant, you might have 80 megawatts at that time. On the other hand, though, we know that you can't forecast the weather per perfectly. You know that from your, your own daily life. You know, you, you might hear that it's going to rain at a certain time tomorrow, but it might not rain at exactly that time. So the cloud cover won't happen at exactly the time you'd expect it to happen. But a lot of the forecasting models that have been developed um, are probabilistic in nature. So they don't just tell you that point forecast that we've traditionally used in, in grid operations, but they also actually tell you the spread of uncertainty around it. Um, you can think of that like the, the hurricane forecast that you see on the TV where you don't have the, the one specific hurricane path, but they have that kind of cone of uncertainty. They've been developing these similar methods for solar forecasting and wind forecasting. Um, and DOE now want to start applying those. Very few system operators, if any, really actually use that other information beyond the expected value in, in their day-to-day -day operations. Um, and DOE wanted to, to develop some methods and demonstrations to do that. So they issued this, this FOA um, in, a couple of years back, and the, the purpose of that was to try and develop tools and methods to, to use that probabilistic information and hopefully then drive down the cost of, of integrating solar into the system. And Daniel, do you want to touch on some of the R&D needs that this might address? Sure, uh, and a lot of it comes down to what uh, Eric was talking about earlier in terms of, of reserves. One of the big questions or challenges associated <clears throat> with renewables is obviously the fact that they do vary uh, and that uh, at any given point in time, you're not certain uh, ahead of time what the actual output's going to be. And so uh, the concern and the question that, that some have had in terms of impact on uh, the power system reliability is, 
do we have to carry significant amounts of additional operating reserves in order to be able to maintain reliability as we get more um, as we get more renewables into the system? Uh, and if so, what what's the cost of that? And so, using some of the uh, using some of the historic static or back looking reserve determination methods uh, make it uh, more expensive to integrate renewables at uh, the same levels of reliability, but what we've been able to learn through the research and what we've been looking at with the work that Eric was talking about is uh, taking these dynamic uh, forecast-based reserve determination methods uh, as well as taking the improvements that would come from the additional information that we would get from the probabilistic forecast methods, integrating those in, and in doing so, reducing the cost uh, of uh, managing the additional variability and uncertainty as the system changes with more renewables, uh, more variable load, demand response, um, even uh, some of the, the conventional generation uh, having more variability to it as well. We're able to use these more sophisticated forecast-driven and probabilistic forecast-driven approaches to reserve determination to uh, more efficiently operate the system and integrate these new resources. Uh, that's what most of the, the work is around. There are other things and other implications of using the forecast. Uh, for example, uh, one of the other things that uh, system operators are responsible for doing in addition to, uh, to managing the, the supply and demand balance, uh, they also have to manage the voltage across the system. And uh, that's done through managing some, a quantity called reactive power. Uh, we won't get into explaining what reactive power is today, but uh, uh, basically, in order to do that, you have to have an understanding of what resources are available in the system and know how those resources can contribute to reactive power. Well, uh, renewables, um, inverter-based renewables, PV, uh, certain technologies for wind, uh, are able to contribute to supporting that reactive power uh, contribution, but you have to know what levels those resources are expected to be at. And so, there's the potential to use these forecasts to look at things like reactive uh, resource optimization, uh, things beyond just the supply-demand balance that we were talking about with active power. And, and we're looking into all of those areas, Amy. And as part of this grant, there are three utilities actually involved. You have Hawaiian Electric, Duke Energy, and Southern Company. Eric, let me start with you on this question. Why those three, and what are you hoping to learn from their participation? Sure. So, you know, one of the goals of all of our research is to, you know, make sure that the research is applicable to the to the broader industry. So, a lot of times it's it's making sure that, you know, in working with uh, various utilities and system operators that we're able to cover, you know, some of the variety in how different utilities may operate the system or how they may have current differences in their resource mix, the technologies that provide energy on their system or, or even just the anticipated uh, resource mix uh, of the future. So Hawaiian Electric Company obviously is a small island, so they don't have lots of help in terms of when they have issues from neighboring um, utilities. They're really all on their own. They also have pretty high levels of uh, wind and solar on the system already and, in fact, have a 100% uh, renewable goal as a policy. So uh, we've already been working with them pretty su su significantly in implementing some of these designs. Um, they're already looking at um, 
you know, putting those into the control room and, and actually using these methods that we've developed in their operations. Duke Energy and, and Southern Company are, are larger utilities. They're part of um, large synchronous interconnections. The entire eastern U.S. is one synchronous interconnection, and they operate the system slightly different. They're interested in different time frames, so things might be more important on the slower time frame than they are in an island system like Hawaii, which is uh, the shorter time frames end up being more crucial. Duke Energy has a lot of solar power already, um, and they're already hitting a lot of these challenges. Uh, Southern Company is, is looking at having potentially uh, larger amounts of solar in the future. So uh, as part of this too, it's really bringing in the other, you know, we have these three utilities that we're working with, but obviously uh, EPRI and our collaborative model is to make sure that all this research, you know, is being disseminated across all of the different utilities across the world. So uh, obviously many other diverse utilities and system operators out there and making sure that, um, you know, we can help and, and that the industry um, see sort of how these challenges can be addressed on these different types of systems. The, the only thing that I would offer, and Eric covered it, but uh, I think it's important is even in the work that we've done already with dynamic forecasts, not taking advantage of the probabilistic information, but the work that we've been able to do with Hawaii Electric so far uh, is very encouraging in terms of uh, the ability for systems with higher levels of renewables to have a substantial impact on reducing the cost in terms of the operating reserves that would be carried using some method uh, that was more backcasting or, or, or static, uh, as well as at the same time uh, increasing reliability. Typically, typically with reserve determination, you, you think of those two as a, a trade-off. Uh, we can uh, have lower cost or we can have higher reliability, but if we if we maintain lower reserves to get lower costs, then it's going to lower our reliability. And so they, they kind of move in opposite directions of one another the way that we think about it. But that's not uh, the way that it necessarily has to be. And by using the dynamic reserve determination methods, we're able to show that you can, in fact, uh, reduce cost and increase reliability at the same time relative to doing some of the more traditional uh, approaches to reserve determination. We think that's only going to get better and it's only going to become more efficient, more reliable using the improved forecast that uh, information that will be available as we go through the, the DOE project using the probabilistic forecast. And just to touch a little bit more on the detail of this grant, um, Aiden, do you want to talk about the phases of the project and how this is going to roll out? Yeah, so, so this is a, a uh, three-year project. We just started it here in the last few months, and we're starting to work with our utility uh, partners on this to, to develop the, the, the kind of models of the system. There's really three parts to it, um, and each of them are running over the three years of the project. One is working with a, a forecasting pr provider who's a partner on it to provide the actual probabilistic forecast. And while we're doing that, actually improve the probabilistic nature, so better capture the uncertainty in the forecast. Um, the second part is to model and simulate the system operations for each of those three individual utilities. So we're going to try and capture how each of those utilities already operate. That, that's work we've already done with Hawaiian Electric and are, are working with Southern and Duke to get models for their system. And then we can kind of test different ways you might use this probabilistic information, different ways you might set reserve requirements based on the, the use of the information. Um, and then finally, the, the final part of the, the overall effort is to uh, demonstrate that in a 
side-by-side kind of comparison in compared to their real-world operations so that you can get a, a sense over a, a six-month period or so of how, how much some of these tools and methods will will save them or improve reliability, improve economic efficiency, those types of, of metrics that we'll be analyzing. So this is a three-year project. We're thinking the first year or so we'll be setting a lot of these models up and then really starting to get good results in, in years two and three. Um, and then the tools we'll have developed will be available to, to other system operators um, as we're going through this, the tool for, for the existing reserve determination is already available and can be applied. Um, and we'll be hoping to apply those with other utilities and system operators going into the future as well um, as, as we start developing those and proving out the concepts behind those. And I would think over that three-year time span, there will be even more and more renewables coming online. So what do you think the environment will be like once this project is finished and you're actually implementing some of these results? So from my perspective, I think that's a, that's a great point that, that we will have more solar and um, it, there will come a point where you really can't operate the system under the current operating paradigm. For, for those larger systems, that's probably well into the future, but we'll start getting a glimpse of that in this, this project. For, for places like Hawaiian Electric, this may become more and more crucial. Um, so yeah, as, as time is changing, as time goes by, then, then the, the value of these types of tools will certainly increase either from the reliability or the economic perspective. And this is building on research that EPRI has already been doing. Let's talk about some of the, the projects that you already had underway that led to this DOE funding. Eric, do you want to touch on that? Sure. So um, we've mentioned a little bit about the dynamic reserve methods um, that we've been looking at that sort of um, leads up to this DOE study. Um, so we have a research project, uh, like I said, that sort of uh, evaluating ways that you can forecast what the reserve requirements could be, you know, based on what the system conditions are, you know, how much um, solar there is, what time of day it is, what's the temperature like, all of those different things. So we actually developed this tool. It's called the Dynamic Assessment and Determination of Operating Reserve. We call it Dynador for short. Um, and that tool is, is essentially something that either operators or planners can use to feed it information and have it spit back at them what the requirements would be based on all that information that they provide. So that's something we've been working with over the last few years. Um, we're trying to find out better ways of forecasting using things like artificial neural networks, uh, other types of, um, you know, different forecasting methods to try to keep improving how we do that. And, you know, really the key of this DOE project is to take that, what we've done so far, and now how do you apply it with these probabilistic forecasts? You know, if you have information on not just what our best idea is of what the solar power will be at different times, but what's the probability and how much confidence do we have in those various potential levels of solar power. And that becomes really important because the amount of reserve that you need to carry is not just dependent on how much solar there is on the system, how much solar you think there is. It's really more dependent on the, um, the, the, the probability that you don't have the solar that you thought you had, or if you have more load than the load that you thought you had. So that probabilistic forecast is really the key information that helps drive um, how you calculate what those reserve requirements are. And there's a lot of other different ways we can use that information. 
Um, we won't get into too much detail, but there's a, a something we're looking at called stochastic unit commitment procedures. And uh, that's a way to use these probabilistic forecasts directly within how we schedule the system that sort of makes it more automatic on how much, what resources we need based on that full set of probabilistic forecast information that we feed into our models. So lots of interesting things coming in. I'll just jump in, Amy, and say that it's, it's exciting work. It's uh, very important from a, from a renewables integration standpoint to make sure that we're enabling uh, the efficient, reliable integration of more renewables. Uh, and it's important work from the, the standpoint of just uh, base system reliability and efficiency, uh, even just from uh, a, uh, a load forecast standpoint, uh, using this probabilistic information will make the, the system more efficient. Uh, so we, we think it's important work and uh, we're looking forward to continuing to talk about it with uh, utilities and ISOs and uh, improve the way systems are operating. Well, as you might imagine, there's a lot more that we can talk about on this topic. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity.